Hello, this is a Thinkers 50 podcast and I'm Stuart Craner. Today, our guest is Soren Kaplan, author of The Invisible Advantage, How to Create a Culture of Innovation. And we liked Soren's previous book was Leapfrogging, which was a bestseller. Uh, the Invisible Advantage. What is the invisible advantage, Soren? What is it? So in today's environment, there's no competitive advantage that's sustainable, which basically means products, services, technologies become obsolete or disrupted in record-breaking time these days. The invisible advantage is really about the fact that the only semi-sustainable competitive advantage companies can create is through their culture. And we've been talking about culture for years, but not a lot of people are talking about the innovation culture that either exists or doesn't exist in a lot of organizations. And the invisible advantage is basically how you look at the types of norms, values, symbols, measures, metrics, processes that either support or maybe inhibit innovation. And how do you create that competitive advantage through your culture, what I call your invisible advantage. Think of all, all the books about corporate culture and innovation culture. And it's amazing that companies still struggle with it. Is it, is it a function of uh, being a large organization that it's, it's pretty pretty much impossible to create that sort of culture. You know, I, I, there's a there's an old term: the soft stuff is the hard stuff, and I think that that applies to culture. You know, it's hard to really get your arms around this invisible stuff that you can't see that might be getting in your way. I work with a lot of organizations, global organizations, um, brand names. That And the, the executives there have said to me over and over, we've got a lot of great ideas. We just can't get traction with them. We can't innovate. And the reason why is because their cultures, whether it's uh, the risk-taking, whether it's the fear of failure, whether it's not being able to iterate and try things out and test them with real customers because there's too much fear about what a real customer might think if something's not fully baked yet. There's a lot of things, uh, both formal, that you can actually change and informal that take time to change that can either get in the way or can be real assets to innovation and business growth. And presumably attitudes differ from culture to culture. I mean, the attitude to failure, for instance. I mean, I'm British and we don't really like failure, though often we do encounter it as much as anyone else. Whereas American entrepreneurs seem to embrace failure as a, as a kind of badge of, badge of honor. That's a great point. So we are currently sitting in Silicon Valley the epicenter of great failures, but also great successes. Um, and every country can have regions that are more amenable to failure than others. Every organization has subcultures. So certain departments be based on the kind of tone that certain leaders and managers set can have different tolerances for um, supporting or in inhibiting innovation and whole organizations can as well. So there are it, culture is one of those things that you if you start to understand it, you recognize and see how it's being created and shaped every single day by every single big and small thing that leaders do as well as the employees are doing that creates the environment in which people are working and innovating or not innovating.
I suppose the thing about culture, what's frightening about it, if you're an executive or CEO, is that changing it just seems a mammoth task. And I I presume, in in your view, it is a a mammoth task, but it is is doable and achievable. I've worked with some executives who have um, basically forbade anyone to use the culture word because it's so daunting to them. And the, the good news is that you can actually move the needle on culture by doing a few simple things. And that's what uh, I've spent the last few years really delving into. How do you create an invisible advantage? Um, You can look at the stories that leadership tells and be very explicit about the success stories as well as what you're talking about in terms of the failure stories because every one of those stories represents norms and values of what is important to the organization. Um, and if you're telling, talking about the things that stifle innovation in ways that stifle innovation, you're not going to get it. You can change your metrics. So you can decide to measure people and things that will give you innovation. So no, revenue from new products or services or business models introduced in the last three years. If everybody's focused on that, you're going to get more innovation because you're measuring your revenue based on the things you've done recently. Um, So there's some kind of hard things and some very soft things that you can focus on. And well, the the obvious thing is that the culture applies to all organizations and an innovation culture is something that all organizations, if they're a a hospital or, or a company, something they all aspire to. The way I look at it, every organization has a culture, of course. Every organization has an innovation culture. Some are more robust than others. Some organizations have innovation cultures that stifle innovation. Others have uh, that support. So um, I think that the the opportunity for executives and leaders is to, number one, recognize culture is a task of leadership to manage and that there are very simple and practical things that can be done to move the needle on culture. Yes, it might take time, but there are also things you can do for some quick wins that allow you to then create a snowball effect by telling stories about some of those quick wins. And examples of that include um, one of, uh, there's a big insurance company I've been working with. They basically created an innovation challenge Now, it's always scary to ask people for ideas um, because you don't know what you're going to get. But they did that and they got a few ideas that then they, within a few months, um, they had the ideas and they put a couple teams on it. And they had a success story within about three months um, around their innovation process, which now they're using those success stories to then spread more design thinking processes, an innovation toolkit they have so that they can get others engaged more widely in the innovation process. So they, they started small with a little competition with one group and they're building on that success um, and spreading that throughout now their entire organization through providing various tools and processes for them. You, you must encounter organizations that do this stuff really well. And who are the standout stories from your point of view? So, you know, you've got different, um, so it's interesting. I actually had uh, a client uh, ask me, he said, who, what is the one company that just has it right? 
And every company is different. And every company has a different innovation culture. And so you, you, the biggest, I think, um, challenge for a lot of organizations is that they want the best practice that they can just apply. But if you apply best practice that doesn't fit your culture, you actually might reverse the innovation. Um, but when I look at the organizations that I think have done a really good job, um, P&G, Procter & Gamble, set some innovation metrics around going outside to get innovation. This has been years ago. Um, they set some external innovation metrics related to open innovation, and they've really moved the needle um, And from their connect and develop. That would be an example of um, setting metrics. There's other organizations like uh, Adobe here in the Silicon Valley. Um, they're in my book. I talk about uh, their kickbox program. Program, which basically allows um, any individual to get this little box. And in the box is a, a multi-step innovation process based on design thinking. Um, they, inside the box, uh, they, you know, give um, uh, not just the process, but they give people a gift card for $1,000, $1,000, not to spend on themselves and go shopping, but to basically use it as a way after they've created a prototype of a, new product to essentially advertise it using online advertising, Google AdWords or others, and spend that money to validate the idea as part of the rapid prototyping process. Um, they also give them uh, a, uh, a Starbucks gift card because, you know, innovation uh, fuel is caffeine uh, a lot of times. Um, but uh, but the, the whole idea is that um, they're creating a structure and these individuals, in order to get this box, actually have to go through a workshop as well. So they've done a good job. Um, and when you walk into an organization, how long does it take you to figure out what the, the innovation culture is like? I mean, are there warning signs as you, as you walk in? and the, 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 the first symbol is that you don't even have to walk in to an organization. If you are in their parking lot and you see the front row parking spots set aside for management, you know you're not going to get a lot of innovation there. Those are the little things you can look at that are symbols and indicators of the values of the company. What that says is that there's a hierarchy there. And management is better than employees because they're separated out and they have that special spark parking spot. Um, but you know, it starts from the parking lot, and you can yes, you can even you can walk into the physical environment, but you can also see how people are working virtually um, and how are you connecting to partners and and uh, external innovation innovators and bringing in the outside in. Um, so you know, at Intuit down the street. Um, they do something called um, customer follow me homes. So they basically identify a customer who's using some of their products and they follow them home. It's not actually, it's not stalking. It's, it's not, stalking. It's right. not as creepy as it sounds, but they will actually go out into people's homes and look at how they're managing their lives and how they're managing their financial lives because they're in the financial um, software uh, industry. And so that's not happening inside the walls. The innovation is happening by going outside the walls. And so you want to look at you know, both what's happening inside, but also what's happening outside. And we're sitting in the Open Innovation Gateway, uh, Fujitsu's Open Innovation Gateway in, in, in Silicon Valley. So that's kind of appropriate. That, so it's getting out more. What's strange is a book about culture who's saying get out more to uh, discover innovation. <laughs> That's exactly right. So I think the the what I'd love to, to bust is the idea that you measure culture by walking in a building. That's not what it's about. You're measuring culture by understanding the deeper motivators and drivers of behavior 
And, and those motivators and drivers of behavior have to do with the kind of processes you create, the kind of metrics you create, the kind of structure you have, the kind of training you give people, the kind of talent you have, and who you're hiring. All of that are very tangible things we're doing every day. But if we put a lens on it of innovation culture, we will do things differently because we want innovation. And if we're on automatic pilot and doing things the same old way, we may not be, you know, there's a term garbage in, garbage out. There's also nothing in, nothing out. If you're not conscious about what you're doing, you aren't necessarily going to be consciously creating an innovation and growth strategy. So that's that's how I look at it. So in some ways, the mistake we've made about culture is to treat it as a superficial thing. I th- yeah, so it's kind of a paradox in, in your argument. I think that's I think that's true. I mean, we we think about culture because it's so hard to understand and really define and get our arms around. Um, we treat it as superficial, but it actually is. It underlies um, whatever everyone's behavior. Culture underlies everyone's behavior every day, and so we can either decide to look at it as something tangible to be managed and orchestrated. I don't even know if you can manage culture. You can orchestrate it. You can steward it or you ignore it. And then it kind of plays out. And where where does this research lead to now? Because I know you're always collecting examples and building on on ideas. Where, Where does it go next, do you think? So ideas are one thing. Innovation is making creating value from ideas and I wanted to apply the same principles to my thoughts in my book um, I believe in what I've tried to create is a framework and very practical tools so that anyone can um, quantitatively and quantitatively assess their current culture figure out where the innovation inhibitors are, those invisible inhibitor inhibitors to innovation, figure out what the opportunities are and define their, I call it the invisible advantage map that is basically a roadmap to helping figure out what levers to pull to get more innovation, get more products, get more services, get more business model innovation and get more business growth. And do, do you think Silicon Valley understands culture in a way that you don't encounter elsewhere? It's fascinating because I think Silicon Valley lives innovation culture better than most other regions in the world. Yet I don't know necessarily that you could go in and survey people in Silicon Valley and have them be able to articulate their innovation culture. Um, in a uh, in a way that has deep self awareness because it's just how things that's the way culture is it's just how you operate it's how you operate every day and I think you can kind of talk about some of the um, explicit things that happen here in terms of all the networking all the funding that happens through venture capital but um, I also think that sometimes you know culture is about the norms and values that shape behavior and so it's not always easy to say here's my norm. Here's my value, and I think that. Uh, but I think that those norms and values that exist here do promote innovation, definitely. Son Kaplan, thank you very much. A real pleasure. Thanks, Stuart. Thank you for listening. That was a Thinkers Fifty podcast. Thinkers Fifty podcasts are produced by KDH Creative.